Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. Neve Dunbar is my guest on this episode of the Women in Leadership podcast. Neve has carried out some research in the National University of Ireland in Galway on the factors that influence women's journeys through leadership in the workplace in Ireland. She spoke to women about the factors that helped and some that hindered their careers, and she's come up with some interesting, some unexpected findings. One of those is how companies can be blinded by presenteeism. If you have a culture that is prized on presenteeism, I don't think it's um, a fair setting for all individuals because it doesn't support all career stages and it doesn't support the individual on their personal life stages either. Neve also discovered how important it is to have a personal network, a sounding board of partners, parents and friends for many women, especially those who want to be authentic and to bring their whole selves to work. In the, in, ab, in the absence of, let's say, some role models or mentors, um, one of the participants said, you know, I was so lucky that I had my husband and parents who um, really did that network aspect for me who were a constant voice of when I couldn't see these role models or mentors. And I thought that was really interesting. So hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. My guest today is Neve Dunbar and Neve is a master's graduate from the National University of Ireland from the business faculty. You're very welcome to the podcast, Neve. Thank you so much, Angie. It's lovely to be here and I'm very privileged to be part of your podcast series. I've been an avid um, listener over the past few months, so it's great to be here. Great stuff. Um, good to hear that. Um, tell me, you've just done some amazing research on women in the workplace. Tell me a little bit about it. This was for your master's, right? Yes, exactly. So um, I carried out my master's programme at NUIG, as you mentioned there, Angie. And as part of my studies, um, it was looking at a piece of research that had a business challenge um, association in a HR human resources lens. So for myself, then um, I looked at the topic was an exploration of senior female leaders experiences in the Irish private sector. And as a bit of a background of where that stemmed from was I had worked for a number of years in the technology industry, so the private sector. And for myself personally and professionally, I have always had an interest in gender equality and diversity and inclusion more broadly. So for myself, looking at Ireland and our society, you know, gender equality has been widely debated, um, both in our own society and a global stage. So for myself, looking um, at the academics and the working professionals um, input on this contemporary business challenge, as, as you could say, um, it really was staggering to myself to really understand what the historically male dominated landscape meant for women to look at, to attain or even enact leadership positions. So um, from an Irish perspective, it's fantastic to see the likes of the Citizens Assembly 
bringing their um, gendered lens with the theme of leadership into their 2020 proposal to the Oireachtas. And then looking at figures like our own workforce. So women, the female workforce participation in 2019 was at 56%. However, women only con- constitute for 21.5% of director roles and 8.5% of executive leader roles um, in the Irish private sector. So that was a really, you know, um, staggering piece, piece of um, data that I wanted to explore and really um understand what it was like to move through a journey where our very historical patriarchal um, society has developed and has gone much more progressive but I wanted to see what that was like for um, a female leader. So um, It's quite staggering isn't it when you think like there's more women in the workforce but yet they don't make it up through the ladder. It's phenomenal isn't it? (laughs) It is and it's very much and I think that's where the research has to be, you know, we need to understand more about the experience and where, you know, at different stages, at what different points that women are looking at leader or leadership positions. And then at what are, what are these points that are kind of, um, you know, either setting women back or, you know, moving them to uh, side to side or how can we actually really benefit from understanding um the knowledge from these phenomenal leaders and how we can kind of incorporate that for future planning um, as such. So that that's just a bit of, about the background um, of the research. And then obviously just to um, finally speak briefly about the um, leadership and gendered um, association in research has been very widely um, debated and has been a really um a very vibrant um, setting in terms of academic research. However, the definitions and theories of leadership are so wide across management, sociology, psychology disciplines that it can be very easy for individuals to have a certain perception of what um, a leader should be or shouldn't be. And um, it's very interesting looking at the incongruent nature between gender and leadership, um, which was touched upon in in the research as well. So, you know, looking at the agentic male qualities um, versus communal female attributes and looking at that theory to say, you know, you and the, the more progressive, should I say, leadership um, theories around authentic leadership to really portray yourself as your true self. Um, however, that does really depend on the historic context um, in which leaders arise and moreover the settings in which they function. So I thought this was kind of an interesting aspect to look at as well, considering that women have um being consistently challenged in terms of presenting themselves as the right leader. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's it's phenomenal that, you know, there are those in Congress. I mean, you talked about different points in the leadership journey. And what particular points were you talking about? I mean, I continuously harp back to mm-hmm. people in their mid 30s where they seem to do so well. They, you know, we know that girls outperform boys um, in secondary school and in the early years of university and then they get mm-hmm. into the workplace, maybe, you know, 50 50 recruitment. 
And then after about five years, the boys just, you know, step up that promotion ladder so much faster. The men, the young men. Um, And, you know, and they can be quite resentful then if there's a gender quota in, you know, so, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we worry about how men feel about it. We don't worry about women feel about it. So just to come back to those points, what are those points that that you've discovered? What are the different stages and the different points where, you know, where the, the differences start to emerge? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's what was interesting from the study and speaking with um, the participants as well, that everyone's journey is similar in ways in terms of certain narratives. However, it is quite different in terms of what that journey looked like for them. So an example maybe of one participant's journey was, you know, um, when she was starting a family and she was working in a setting where presenteeism was very valued and awarded. So, you know, that whole culture of staying after the boss and, you know, she was trying to progress um, up to the leadership ranks. However, she kind of came to a point of saying, you know, I, I can't lose, I can't um, win this this one for the sake of my own children's happiness and family's happiness. So that would be an example of um, a person's journey at a point where she was looking to start her family. Um, But that structural aspect of work was really challenging her. So she moved to another company that was more um, open to a flexibility, but more importantly, that was looking at their productivity rather than if she was sitting in a office or not does if that absolutely yeah and you know you can see companies that are more enlightened and i think probably covid has probably helped us in some way although it's been a dreadful dreadful situation you know but people being able to be productive but to do, to do it from home and within the hours that suits them and their family life whatever that family structure is Yes, and I I think that's incredibly important and definitely what the COVID crisis has given us is a opportunity to see that businesses and um, operations can still be done on a online setting, but more importantly, businesses have had to change out of necessity so they've been quite reactive but now since we've been in this setting hopefully people and organizations can be a bit more proactive in the way that they're working and to really get the best out of their workforce and I think leaders um, and especially female leaders play a massive role in creating that narrative and to make sure that um, all of their workforce members are heard at the top. So there's a big message there for employers, isn't it, that, you know, to look for productivity rather than presenteeism? Oh, like, absolutely. And I think that goes down to a cultural setting as well. So, again, every every organisation is going to be different and have different values and beliefs and strategies, ultimately. Um, however, the culture is critical. And I think if you have a culture that is prized on presenteeism, you know, it's it's not, I don't think it's um, a fair setting for all individuals um, because it doesn't support all career stages and it doesn't support the individual on their personal life stages either. Okay. Um, what else did you discover on those critical points? 
Yes, yeah, so um, findings from the research were broken, uh, broken into three core themes. So the first theme that I was looking at were barriers, or barriers and challenges that women face during this leadership journey. The second theme, which um, was very a, a very interesting and a kind of a section that I didn't think that would. Um, be so valued was the personal support networks and then obviously the organizational networks um I did expect but that's a really interesting piece and I'll go into it a bit more detail now in a moment but it was your personal family your friends your partners um that was really important during this journey and then the final aspect was looking at um critical mass theory so that numerical representation of um three or more women and how that will improve the visibility and um the female voice um at the at that level um what were the main barriers and challenges so there were a number um obviously for the sake of the this research project um i focused on two key challenges and barriers so interestingly enough the most frequent barrier for women during their leadership journey was actually the internal belief barriers so that was around belief in yourself and confidence which is really interesting because um, you know there's a lot of structural and external barriers that have definitely um, you know challenged women in the past and currently do so so you know to really have um, that emotional intelligence to sit back and say look the internal barrier the barriers were me you know during my journey I was afraid to take some leaps or some um, leaps into roles or into work and sometimes you know I just you know wasn't 100% confident so it just the biggest barrier was me which I thought was really interesting. Do you put that down to a lot of just social conditioning and the way women are brought up different or girls are brought up different to boys? I, I do think so, and I definitely think it has a huge um, piece to do with in terms of being what you can see from just history and the lack of female representation at these um, senior positions. What that's resulted in is obviously a um, a conditioning, like you just spoke about, Angie, of, you know, women are more likely to mask masquerade themselves to fit into an organizational context because you know the the alternative can be quite disruptive and um, destructive to the the female um, in a male-dominated landscape you've got the internal barriers and self-confidence what Mm -hmm. else so then the structural piece, which we briefly spoke about there a number of minutes ago, was around the work-life conflict. So this, you know, was described as doing a good job at home and obviously doing a good job at work. So, you know, participants definitely um viewed this as a challenge during their own journey but it was also something that they observed from their other female peers you know so they really acknowledge how difficult it can be to mind lead and have a family and feel like you're doing a great job in in both in both capacities um 
so and then obviously speaking to um these female leaders as well is knowing that in most cases when they do reach a certain level of flexibility or level of seniority that the flexibility becomes more um more given as such so you know what during one of the participants journeys you know she reached a certain seniority and now she feels like she is very responsible for the narrative that she puts across to her organization and team so she um i thought it was very nice when she just mentioned you know that she would purposefully um say look sorry i moved that meeting yesterday but i had a orthodontist appointment with my child and i'll try so she's really actively trying to create that purposeful narrative um which i think is really important very good yeah and it's important that other women see well it's actually okay to talk about my kids at work because it makes it okay for the men as well oh oh definitely and it's the good for the greater number of people as such is to really be actively um, speaking about these um, challenges because at the end of the day, you know, certain individuals will choose um, a career over uh, maybe starting a family. And that's a very personal choice as well. So in speaking with participants, I didn't want to override that as well because, you know, at certain times it's a very personal choice. But, you know, the way that organisations are structured, it should be a lot better um, and a lot more of an even keel to really attract, um, retain and also um, really nurture the workforce as a whole. Their leadership potential, yeah. Um, now, you mentioned partner support is really important as well. Yes, so this was um, part of the critical support networks team. So the personal networks um, spoken about here were around the family, friends, partners um, of participants. And I thought this was really um, a refreshing um, part of the study because um, it really it opened my eyes to how important and how valued that participants really felt about these personal networks, truly because it's based on the trust and confidentiality of the relationships um, with their personal networks. But, you know, participants viewed them as their own sounding boards and their own personal board of directors because, you know, they're dealing with a huge amount and um, there's going to be times where, Um, individuals might talk themselves out of doing things or you know there might be very um, you know scary moments to discuss internal fears so it's having that safe space with this network that in tandem um, really nurtures um, a female during this journey so and I think it's really important Um, the final aspect of that personal network piece Angie was um, I thought this was really interesting so in the in in the absence of let's say some role models or mentors and one of the participants said you know I was so lucky that I had my husband and parents who um, really did that network aspect for me who were a constant voice of when I couldn't see these role models or mentors and I thought that was really interesting you know it's terrific isn't it (laughs) yeah so it it, and it's it's definitely not to undervalue the power of these networks during this journey because I think 
you know, organizational networks can definitely learn um, a huge amount in terms of trying to really adapt a trusting and confidential um, relationship um, because that's clearly what has driven these women to be so so successful today and it's it's a really important factor. I was reading some research yesterday that said that dads can be very powerful influences on their daughters, particularly dads who had been in business. Yeah, so th- there's definitely a um, parental voice that resonated um, through some participants' journeys, you know, so um, uh, it, an interesting kind of point it was around um the voice aspect of the research was um, one participant said that her dad kind of called her out and said she was saying, oh, look, the business world is a lot more receptive to women now at the moment. And um, he kind of called her out and saying, well, look, that's because you have a voice now, you know, so it's um it, you know, I think definitely parental figures and and um, that personal network can definitely challenge individuals as well to kind of um, really challenge and just ultimately have a conversation, I think, is incredibly important. Yeah. And of course, the more women, as you're saying, critical mass, the more people, the more we get to 30, between 30 and 50 percent, the more likelihood we are to be able to help people all the way up the line. Absolutely. And that really bleeds into the um, second aspect of the support networks around mentors and role models. And these these um, individuals in the organisations, organisational setting are critically important because, you know, the future female or even existing female in um female workers are going to look at these individuals for an identity at work so like we spoke kind of briefly about that conditioning you know if you don't see mentors and role models at different life stages so maybe if they have gone on to be um, a senior leader now but they've they've had five kids or maybe this role model really resonates in what I'm all about and what I believe in so it's showing women that you know there is a route to these positions, but it's also about with the mentors in really actively pushing and dropping that elevator back down to really actively mentor and um, speak with both female and male colleagues about about progressing, because I think there's such a wealth of knowledge that can be learned by um female leaders what about um you know the the old line that you can't approve what you don't measure do you think there's enough gender auditing going on in companies and i know you worked particularly in the tech sector where did you worked in oracle didn't you and in indeed was I it? Did. yes yes i did do, do yes. companies like that do they do gender audits do they stand back and have a look and say like what's the makeup in our organization have we a lot of women in one section but not in others uh, you know you know do they mm. do that kind of research Yes, definitely. And from my time working um, with those organisations, so the likes of um, Oracle, they would have had a um, Oracle Women Leadership, um, it was called Ale, um, groups. And I think they're really important in terms of auditing and looking at the organisation. Um, I do believe that that was conducted um, probably at that senior level. 
Uh, I do think that organisations need to probably look at different um, business units in their organisation, maybe more finely of trying to understand um, the likes of why is there um, possibly less female representation at a account management for this specific product or for this specific um service so i do think there needs to be more auditing done maybe down down the chain rather than just the surface level so what struck you what was the most unusual or surprising piece of it, of uh, research that you what was the findings that you found most surprising yes yeah, so i think it was around the final aspect i think was the critical mass piece obviously and the voice and visibility so for some of the participants i'll just quickly talk about the voice and visibility just being um a bit more self-conscious about using their voice and this may be because of a lack of female representation and support so if they're working on a male dominated um team that there isn't that support and that's why you know having at least three women um or more is really important where where you can because i know obviously different leadership groups have different sizes and that that is incorporated as well finally it was around the visibility so um you know some participants really view the level of scrutiny that women are under um being under this magnifying glass as one participant mentioned because of the lack of um, female representation at senior leadership level. So, you know, again, it's so important to show women a route. But sometimes, you know, if you have um, a female token, let's say, for example, that there's such a high level of scrutiny that women have to jump through multiple hurdles in comparison to their male colleagues. So I think that was a really interesting piece. Um, But for me, I think the personal networks, I think, definitely needs um, more research, um, you know, and really looking at what the impact of your family, friends, partners, and to really nurture through um, the leadership journey. Fantastic, fantastic. Having done all that research and, you know, bringing all your own um, uh, life experience and work experience from working in the tech sector, what would be your top five pearls of wisdom or your your advice that you would pass on to the next generation of women coming up through the lines? Yes, absolutely. So the first one I think is so important and I know many of the um, female leaders that you've had on in the past, Angie, really touch on this point is around the authenticity aspect and while that can be very hard sometimes if the context or the um the organization you're working in it doesn't really maybe promote that so much it's hard to be yourself but you really have to try to break that mold internally as well to say you know I'm going to be unapologetically myself and I'm going and that's the best way to sort support my um, organization um, because you know that's from participants really driving that home is really having confidence and self-belief the second aspect I would say is definitely if you are a leader or thinking about leadership is to really ensure that you have a purposeful narrative 
So that's really looking at the culture. So, for example, if you're looking at your organisation to say we really need to promote a more flexible work life integrated culture, you are responsible and, you know, you have to really purposefully drive that narrative even if it's a small I'm changing this appointment because x y and z it's really impactful um the third aspect I think which in line kind of um, marries in with that one is having that duty of care and compassion and for especially in the world that we're living in it's been very challenging it's been very hard on business is it's been very hard on individuals and there's just so much going on that I think, you know, to be very compassionate and aware that there's a lot going on and to really support um, your workforce. The fourth aspect, I think, um, is looking at your legacy. So, you know, stepping back from from oneself, I suppose, to say, you know, am I really portraying... Um, the best version of myself or what do I want to leave behind so you know when I'm speaking with um, potential few female leaders or male leaders and all all this um all a diverse leadership scope essentially am I really leaving behind um a better way for them to um, establish their career as a leader but also that they can kind of look at a person to say you know I really aspire to be that person. Um, and then the final aspect is embracing change. And I think that was definitely something that was um, encapsulated in the Balance for Better Business initiative and reports was, you know, some organisations are a bit more stubborn than others and they're less likely to change. But I think, you know, the more people that take um, change by, you know, the um, horns it's better for everyone and I think it's just small small changes you know um, small things that can really improve diversity's position in our society and it can also you know we're going to be very very resilient after all of this um, COVID situation and we're going to have hopefully a bit more compassion for people and I think you know is we've completely changed the way we're doing things. And I think organisations need to remain to do that as well. Everything has been fast forwarded, technology, working from home. Mm. Uh, that empathy and compassion thing, I think it's really interesting that you're saying that, and, you know, and having that empathy and compassion. Do you think it makes a better leader when somebody has that empathy and compassion? Do they get buy-in from their co-workers? I, I think they do. And I know there can be you know many ways of looking at that as well and it's just it's so important in the context but for myself I think you know you definitely need compassion you need apathy it's you know people are there obviously to work within the business of the four walls essentially but if you can really portray yourself um, and have that level of empathy for yourself and others I think you know there's that's where true authenticity really arises. Brilliant. Tell me your money advice. What was the best bit of money advice you ever got? Yes. So I think um, the first thing is to really uh, like, don't be afraid to seek out advice. And I think sometimes um, during my own um, experience, 
kind of there are certain aspects that I just needed a bit more support you know like for the likes of setting some kind of a budget or for myself personally you know it was all great doing things with work but for myself is to really step back so you know reach out for help and there's brilliant support networks out there and brilliant free services as well so the likes of the money advice and budgeting service mabs they're across the country and I think that's really important at the moment as well is to you know people's financial um situations are all going to be different and um I think it's not to be afraid to um ask for advice uh the second one I think is looking at your own human human capital so if you do have the opportunity to reinvest in yourself um and that doesn't mean to return to college for you know a year like there's flexibility out there you can do part-time courses you can do springboard courses there's a plethora of ways but just looking at investing in yourself to say you know in a few years time will I be able to use this to progress or look for a higher salary that will support the lifestyle that I want um, I think is the best best advice I've been given. Great stuff and it's important to kind of set that out for yourself I think sometimes as well. Talk to me about sustainability we're all trying to improve the planet and uh, make sure there's one here for the next generation what do you do on on a daily basis for your own bit of sustainability or to help the environment? Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, critically important. Um, you know, Ireland, I think, is 39th now out of 57 countries um, that um, have been listed by the Climate Change Performance Index. You know, so we're we're um, clearly not um, doing enough because we're, yeah yeah so for myself personally is really trying to buy local what has been a positive as such is the limitation on travel um at the moment so with covid and everything i do see that as maybe something that can um help people see that you know you maybe don't need to travel over xyz to a meeting or maybe it can be done online um, but I, I would I would always think now, you know, with COVID and the situation that we've had, the likes of um, the disposable masks and, you know, it, it does r- raise a question in my head looking back. So for myself, using a reusable mask is, um, is quite good, but sometimes, you know, you, you might forget. So it's, it's looking at the, those little things of saying, like, is there any way that we can look at this specific aspect that's coming out of it and try to ensure that we're um, pushing a narrative to maybe promote reusable masks a bit more, I think. Good advice, good advice. Last thing, your go-to song. So say you get up in the morning and you're not really feeling it. How do you motivate yourself to get moving or to get focused? Do you use a piece of music? Um, yeah, well, I actually, it's, it's kind of a bit funny. So my, I'm actually a massive fan of the Eurovision. So myself and my friends would um, have an annual kind of, you know, get together this year, unfortunately, you it was a virtual it this fun. Year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really missed it. Um, like, I love the old stuff like um, Baccarat, you know, Parley Fou, Francois. And um, then, you know, for myself at the moment, like I love Euphoria and Laureen. That's definitely um, 
a very powerful song um, for myself. So the Eurovision is um, always a great laugh. And I think it does bring different cultures together. So you always hear um, various different genres, which I think is really brilliant. I think before Ryanair and before we were able to travel places, Eurovision was probably the only place that we actually got to see anything of other countries <laughs> or yeah. to li- learn anything about their culture. Not exactly high class culture, but it was real. <laughs> I know, I know. And um, look, Ireland, we're always, um, you know, a leader in the Eurovision. I don't know um, how much at the moment, but definitely, you know, it, it's it's just a bit of a celebration Um isn't it? So I do really enjoy Eurovision and um, I do listen to a bit of jazz then when I want to relax after all of those um, energising songs. Listen, thank you so much for being our guest today. It's been very enlightening and really good to tap into those basic messages again. I think my big takeaway mm. from it is the uh, your personal uh, board of directors and you know having somebody to bounce ideas and to actually just focus and think about your own career. Um, as it being a valuable thing to think about so well done for that and uh, best of luck thanks so much Angie take care that was Neve Dunbar who has just completed that research on the journeys of women through leadership in the Irish workforce you can contact Neve through LinkedIn well that's all from this episode of the Women in Leadership podcast my thanks to Neve Dunbar from NUI Galway I'm glad to say we have a whole new season of podcasts lined up for you, focusing very much on sustainability and climate change this year and on minding your money, your finances. More about that in the next episode. Remember, we love to hear from you and you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Leading Women Pod. We're also on Facebook and of course the website womeninleadership.ie where you can also sign up for the newsletter. Until the next time, from me, your host, Angie Mazzetti, and all the team here, goodbye and take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm.